Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And of course, we are back to talk about all things Aston Villa Football Club with maybe a little bit of sprinkle of the 2020 Euros as well, if time permits. But of course, we do have Simon O'Regan here and Danny Raza, just the trio here today. So we'll start with you, Simon. How's it going? Yeah, not too bad, thanks. Uh, little delicate from the England game last night. Had a few too many drinks and didn't get to bed till the early hours of the morning but I'm in a good mood though so it's all good fair enough fair enough you have to indulge yourself when England are finally successful as a as a person from a nation that can't even reach a world cup at all or any kind of national tournament with their football team um, I envy you but anyways Danny let's get over to you how's it going sir I haven't seen your uh your beautiful face in a month hey mate i'm all good don't be so don't be so down about canada man remember panama made the world cup not too long ago i'm sure you guys can do it too um i'm all good i enjoyed the england game as well last night um even though there wasn't you know the hint of an aston villa player um you know although i didn't celebrate by having one or two drinks i actually celebrated by playing Fortnite for a couple of hours afterwards so um i'm well rested (laughs) If you didn't know, Danny's still stuck in like 2016 when it comes to gaming. Still plays Fortnite, but uh, it is what it is. Um, and you know what? Canada will get to the World Cup one day. And uh, Davies and Hoylet, we trust. And I'm forgetting someone else. But anyways, I think we have like Hoylet's, three decent players. Hoylet's yeah. like 40, man. Nah, they, come they, on. He scored Davis, that. David. He, he scored that banger for Blackburn in like the 2011-2012 season. I'm still living off that. So true, true, I'll true. take that for what it is. But anyways, guys, <laughs> let's uh, get into a little bit of Villa chat before we get into Euros. Uh, because I know, of course, the Euros is taking over everything right now. But of course, there is a little bit of news. Um, first thing I guess we could really kind of mention here quickly is Villa have some friendlies. So football is back on its way very, very soon. Uh, They'll play on July 21st against Walsall, the 24th against Stoke, 28th against Nottingham Forest, um, which I think is at Bodymore Heath. And they'll finish on the August 7th at Villa Park hosting Sevilla, which is a very nice friendly. I feel like that's the kind of highest profile friendly we've had in like ages within Europe, at least usually it's, what like eighth tier sides in England and then they'll do a trip somewhere else and against a sixth tier side in like Bosnia or something I don't know you know what I mean they're just obscure teams or they'll go to the U.S. let's move on to the Jack Grealish talk we might as well get that over the way over the way I should say a hundred million pound apparent deal to Manchester City will be finalized after the Euros what are your thoughts on this who said that that's that's what if i if i click on every article it's jack Grealish is going to complete a hundred million pound deal after the euros it's going to be confirmed what you've got to do whenever you see a headline like that is establish the facts establish what you know establish what anyone knows right like you can't know if somebody has insider information all right but what we have heard 
from numerous respected reporters and respected news organisations is that there has not been a formal bid made by Manchester City for Jack Grealish that we know of, all right? What we also know is the way that Villa are conducting their transfer business, it tells you that Villa do have some cash. They do have some cash in the bank. The fact that Jack Grealish has a long-term contract means that if the club were to sell him, they will not be selling him for anything less than they believe he is worth to them. So I think you've just kind of got to put it into perspective here, right? Manchester City, first of all, I think are going to be prioritising a striker. Sergio Aguero has gone now. The legendary Sergio Aguero, of course. Harry Kane is all of a sudden lighting it up now in the Euros. And I think it's always been known that there's been uh, talk of him going to Manchester City. So they're going to prioritise that potentially. But once you've done that, once you've spent 100-odd million on a player like Harry Kane, you've then got to try and make up the funds for a guy like Jack Grealish. And, you know, if he's not the priority, like City, there's only so far they can push to get him. And people talk about, okay, Jack Grealish might want to leave. Jack Grealish might want to leave Villa, um, might want to play Champions League football. At the end of the day, that doesn't matter if his, you know, the valuation is not met. Like that's, that's, that's where we're at at the end of the day. So I think stop panicking. If he goes, he'll go for a price the club feel like they can deal with. But for now, I wouldn't panic too much. It hasn't been a bid, and that's where we're at. Yeah, I mean, like, see, like, I, this is just the reality. We're going to have to live with every summer until eventually he moves. Because let's be honest, guys, eventually he will move. Um, he has aspirations that are probably going to be beyond us unless somehow we keep meeting them. And every summer, realistically, is going to be increased wages, a better package for him kind of reinforce the project and all that kind of stuff. And it's going to be a lot of continually kind of proving that to them. And Simon, at some point I was listening to a few Villa podcasts this week talking about it. Do you think at some point though, depending how long we keep them, it, the wages keep say doubling, they keep getting up there. Of course we know how crucially is. Do you think that could affect the rest of the squad in a way? Cause you have then other players saying, well, why am I not making this much or this much? Do you think at some point it could become a bit of an issue though? Um, I don't think so. I mean, it, if it was, you know, they're offering stuff like 300 pounds a week, which, you know, there's no suggestion that that's going to come about. But say, like, you're talking those sort of prices, then you might have a few other people go, well, I should be on a little bit more. But I think everyone recognises how good he is and how important he is. Like, you just, certain people, you just make exceptions for them. And you, I, I don't think that that would be a problem in, in terms of squad morale. I think every single Villa player wants to have Jack Grealish playing for Aston Villa and um, sort of just backing up what Danny was saying there. I, I agree with him that it's, the way things are at the moment, it's, you, you're seeing these headlines and like, you know, these Twitter journalists and all that every day. Sports journalists, they have to, they have to write a story every day, don't they? They have to do something and so, it, you know, what's going to get clicks? Jack Grealish is going to City for 100 million. There's nothing official as far as we all know and my, my gut feeling, I said it a few weeks ago when, uh, when we last did this, I just don't see him going this summer because I don't see City offering the amount of money that Villa would want to sell him. I, I personally think this talk of £100 million, I, I I think Villa would ask for quite a bit more than that, which I don't think City would pay. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not worried at the moment. Especially when you can argue as well, right? They've, they've got Phil Foden, who's, who's, who's doing well. They've got Raheem Sterling as well, right? Um, Mares. Mares as well. I mean, look, Grealish would absolutely improve that team. He, he like don't don't get me wrong, but 
if I'm Manchester City and I'm looking at Manchester United having just signed Jaden Sancho, significantly younger than Jack Grealish, and look, I, let's be honest, right? Significantly more proven when it comes to goals and assists, if we're looking at the last couple of seasons as well, um, for 85 million. Jack Grealish at 100 doesn't seem like the <laughs> the deal yeah. that you'd, you'd want to break through. Do you know what I mean? Now, it, it could happen. Jack Grealish, you know, would go for that kind of money because, look, there'd be terrific marketing. Um he'd bring something that no other player in the Premier League right now could bring you. But um, yeah, you know, look, if you, it's like, it's like the Zaha situation. We always bring it back to it. Lots of clubs would love to sign Wilfred Zaha or would have loved to have signed him in the last few years. But if Palace have a valuation, which they're saying like, look, you got to break this. It's not going to happen because you're not going to, you're not going to give someone a good deal on Grealish, are you? <laughs> yeah. why, why are you going to give someone a good deal on him <laughs> yeah it doesn't you want, you want a deal it, yeah. which allows you to buy two Jack Grealish's do you know what I mean yeah no it, see and this is kind of the rabble hole kind of mindset I was going through too like it doesn't really matter if City need a wide midfielder or a central midfielder they need a striker more than anything and I think that's kind of the whole point of okay is it Harry Kane or someone else well I can't see them splashing a hundred plus million on Grealish and then going by to buy like Danny Ings that's not gonna like you know what I mean. It, that's not gonna do them for a season. Like they need. They do more have endless that. money. They do, but like, see, in my mind, this is how I'm thinking because, of course, now there's been also the links between also Kane moving and some. There are some crazy reports out there too, and I think this is literally just talk for the sake of talk, where people will say, "Well, they're gonna get both." Well, I think the interesting thing about the Harry Kane thing, when they were offering Spurs, I think cash plus players, now. If they need Grealish, they're going to have to move players anyways. I can't see you putting Grealish on the left in the Man City side and not playing Sterling. Sterling's not going to sit for that. Like that—that's that's like I I just can't see that. And he doesn't seem like a player that wants to sit. And apparently he was offered to Spurs. So I I think the only way he would like Grealish can actually go to City, and this is just my brain going off on one of those dark holes through the internet, is they would basically have to Man City would have to sign Kane put a kind of offload a bunch of players to Spurs that Spurs would accept with a bit of cash. And then that would have to free up position and a little bit of kind of assets too, for them to get them, but for them to get both, I mean, that would probably be the most legendary summer of all signings, to be honest. And probably the outlay would be way too ridiculous, but that's just how I see it. At least. I'm just looking as well. Right. I've just thought of it as well. I'm just thinking in my head, like you've got Bernardo Silver on the right. You've got Mares on the right. Phil Foden, you know, is starting to develop more as a right winger than anything, um, even though, you know, you'd, you'd probably traditionally put him through the middle. And then you've got Ferran Torres as well. Like, you can't, you can't have, <laughs> you can't have all of them, not even considering who they've got on the left-hand side. Sterling. You know what? They can give, they can, they can take Grealish. We can have Phil Foden and some cash. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. Torres and money, man. <laughs> I'll take Ferran Torres and some money. Fine, whatever. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get absolutely obliterated for probably saying that. Now I would n- never actually get rid of Jack Grealish if I had the choice. But you know what? It's gonna happen one day, and we just have to appreciate what we have for now. But anyways, guys, let's go on to the kind of next transfer rumor, and it's probably my favorite because we're basically trolling Arsenal at this point. And of course, that's a 30 million pound bid. Apparently, that was made for or second bid, I should say, for Emil Smith Rowe. Of course, the Arsenal youngster um, is looking to have contract talks with Arsenal, and they're not going very well. Apparently, for me, 
Simon, I'll come to you in a second, but for me, this just kind of screams of an agent playing kind of one team against another. Um, you know what? To Arsenal, you know, if you're not going to give him X amount of dollars or pounds, whatever, he's going to go here. And then saying to Villa, you know what? You have a real chance. I feel like you're just riling up two sides to get the one thing you want, and that's to stay at Arsenal with more money. But Simon, where do you sit with him? Uh, well, firstly, I, I agree with you that it's just brilliant to see... Uh... The, the Arsenal fans get so wound up online about it. Like, part of me just really hopes we sign him just to, to see their meltdown. Like, but um, in terms of the actual deal itself, when when the first bid went in, part of, I did sort of think what you were just saying there that is, uh, you know, this is an agent leaking something here just to get himself a better deal. But what I find really odd is that second bid went in, like the way transfers seem to be done nowadays. It's, it's not like it was like in, I remember in like the 90s, you, you see bids be put in by clubs, but the player, you know, would, would reject the move. But nowadays, a lot of work goes on behind the scenes. So there's part of me that's thinking for second bids have gone in, the club must have been given some encouragement that there's something there because you've got to think of the people who are in charge of our club now. Uh, Christian Perso, Johan Lang on the transfer front, they're not idiots. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like imagine that they get like sucked in to play these agent games. Like the fact he's been negotiating these contracts for pretty much all of last season, I just say for second bids have gone in, there has to be some encouragement that's been given to the club that there's a deal here to be done. Yeah, and like I mean, it would it'd be hilarious if they got to forty million plus one pound, like the whole, whole Suarez thing. I think that would be the ultimate troll. But no, like there's definitely there's definitely has to be truth to this in my mind. You wouldn't put in a second bid apparently if there wasn't a chance. So clearly, there's some kind of intrigue or there's a dollar value that can eventually be met. Then there has to be something because you know what Arsenal or you know what North London has two football clubs there Spurs and Arsenal in absolute messes right now and as much as I'm enjoying your prototypical top six um, I want to leave the Premier League side kind of thing going on um, it's just it's just weird that the fact that in my lifetime at least supporting Villa I've just never seen us go after players like this it feels a little bit uncomfortable but Danny how do you feel about it what do you think of this whole situation with Arsenal like it just for me it just I, I sit there and think like we actually have a plan. We're actually organized. Like, what is this? Yeah, it just kind of like puts a lot of trust into it, isn't it? I mean, we've already done two good bits of business, haven't we? We've already sorted out another creative, you know, really, really easy, early, just boxing it off, getting Pondier in, getting in the extra creative player that we needed, like in the attack. Um, then we also sorted out our sort of like backup left back already. We could double up as our backup right back. Fine, cool, sorted, right? Now, looking at these center mids who I don't, think we even considered would be sort of you know the, the kind of targets that we'd be looking for look smith row is an interesting one and I, and I agree with simon why are we tabling more bids if there's no interest would be told you know i think villa would have been told you know they would have been given the middle finger if if there wasn't any sort of you know a chance of the deal happening but look it's it's a situation just like ours with jack Grealish. at the end of the day with arsenal they they you know they're gonna want to get as good a deal as they can for one of their younger players. Of course, the difference be here being that contract, which hasn't been signed yet, it could be an agent playing games. It could be a case of um, of an agent trying to 
spur on a, an improved contract offer. But, you know, we'll have to see. I think um, regardless of what happens, the games that we're playing right now, in terms of the transfers that we want to be looking at, because they're so specific, because they're the, the kind of play, because the kind of players that we're looking for now are the level above, we're not going to be able to pick up that eight million pound midfielder in in Belgium and, and kind of hope that they that they do a decent job for us. It's that's just just not going to happen. Now it's all about you know getting specifically um, the players that are going to burst Villa into Europe. Don't know if it's going to happen. It's, it's still, you know, it's still really difficult to get that number of players together to, to kind of mount that kind of a challenge. But yeah, certainly interesting to see what we're doing with the Smith Rowe one. And, and that that's a legit, that's legit interest there. That is legit interest from Villa. And there is talk that there could be another bid. Um, but, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's come from any sort of incredibly valid source just yet. Um, but but I, I, can, I can see Villa putting in another bid for him. Oh, Once you're talking about it. 35 mil... It's a lot of money, but he's, I think he's, he's one of the brightest talents in England. Yeah. Like, I mean, regardless if it's a, I know a lot of people look at this, especially this whole room and think, you know what, if this happens, Grealish is leaving. Obviously, I don't buy that. But like, just imagine that midfield. Like, that is disgusting. I I, I, I don't know. I get giddy just thinking about these things. But anyways, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just, it, it's just, even- oh, good. Yeah. But like, dude, even if it, even if it if it does mean that Grealish is leaving, fine. So we're so 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 we're establishing a good base now, so that so that even if he does leave, even if you know, even if Grealish does go, we've got Buendia already, and we've got Smithrow already. We haven't now, obviously, but you know, talking about you know, if we were to get him before Grealish leaves or something, and then on top of that, you get an extra hundred million to spend. Like, look, it's smart business. Grealish yeah. going, you know, if it, if it happens, it's because it's because we've got a decent bit of money in the back. Look at Atletico Madrid. Look at how much that club keeps on reinventing itself. How much it just keeps on putting itself back at the top, regardless of how many times their best player is left. <laughs> like, it can happen. The, the, the point is, under Martin O'Neill, under like Randy Lerner back in the day, your best players would leave and you'd replace them with, you know, Stephen Ireland. Or Charles and Zogbier, and it just wouldn't work. So well, let's you, look, just... you, you look at Leicester as well. I mean, over the years, they've yeah, lost yeah. Mares, Kante. They got big money for Drinkwater, um, Harry Maguire. Yet they've been very clever in how they've uh, reinvested that money. And okay, they they completely bottled the top four finish last season, but they've kept themselves, you know, staying in that sort of top five, top six level by by just being smart about it. if they do sell a player. They get huge money for him and they use it wisely. So, yeah, as you say, like we don't want Grealish to go, and he may not. But if he does, I've got faith that it will. The club will use that money wisely, and we can still go go forwards. Yeah, I mean, I I don't think it's a a Gareth Bale situation where he leaves Spurs and then they go and buy a bunch of players that literally end up being nothing. I think it's reinvested smartly and wisely. And you know what? I I think it's one of those things too. When I kind of look at this whole thing. Eventually, like we said before, it probably will happen eventually, but look at the academy as well. Like we're just, we're firing all cylinders and it's just, I still, again, I feel uncomfortable because I've never felt this and it's just good to see success. But anyways, let's go on uh, to the next one and then we'll get to probably the most interesting odd um, Ashley Westwood like um, 
transfer rumor out there, but we'll start with uh, Julian Alvarez from River Plate. Of course, that's been linked for 15 million pounds. Um, of course, we've heard Villa are in talks with him as well as I think Ajax from a number of different sources. Some you may, maybe you'll take with a pinch of salt. Some maybe you'll think are more legit, but Either way, interestingly enough, the Argentinian made the senior squad for Argentina, of course, beating Emi Buendia. Um, so that'll be an interesting one if that man joins as well. A little bit of healthy Argentinian competition. We'll have a very nice base of South Americans as well. Um, I don't know if it's ever been this fluent as too. So interesting to see with all that in regards to, like I said, he's 21 years old as well. So there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of room for growth. But once again, it's one of those kind of signings. You look at Simon and say, you know what? Has a lot of potential can do a lot for the future but you know what right now he could do a lot too i mean you you might be better off going to danny on this one because i've got to be honest i i know nothing about him <laughs> like I, I don't watch much south american football the little bits and pieces of reds you know it's like what you've just said there it looks like there's there's a potential in there but i mean he's just one of those in that if, if he comes i would literally just have to wait and see what, what he provides I, yeah i'm not going to pretend that i know anything about him Let's, I wouldn't let's... be surprised if, like, it's been tipped off by Emmy Martinez. I really wouldn't be surprised if, if, if it's someone like him. Look, Villa, interestingly, are kind of, like, becoming a hub. If, if, if Wolverhampton Wanderers are a hub for Portuguese talent, Villa are becoming a hub for uh, South American talent, aren't they? <laughs> so already got Martinez, already got Louise, already got Buendia. Now we're talking about Julian Alvarez. Look, I'm going to be honest. I don't watch a lot of Argentinian football, but I did do a little bit of research. I did watch some uh, YouTube uh, compilations of this lad uh, of course that is one thing I noticed is that he loves like taking the shot first time reminds me a little bit of Anwar Ogazi in that uh, in that respect why did I know you're gonna say that jeez <laughs> no it's it's good though he does he does do that he seems to get himself in good positions and he seems to take the shot first time and look um, maybe that's something more of a, I think more than anything you're looking at gettable talent you know, when you look at a club like River Plate, when you look at the, the the big clubs in South America, you're not talking fees of 30, 40 million. You know, you're, talk, you're talking fees sort of 15, 20 million. So if you can buy some potential, which is already supposedly good enough to be playing for the Argentinian national team, then I think, you know, you, you can't really go wrong for that. So, uh yeah, look, I'd be I'd be up for I'd be up for Alvarez. Can play play up front, can play on the wings, just good all round attacker. You know, probably does a lot of the work that you that Watkins does as well in that sense. Um, yeah, go for it. Uh, we do need a backup striker, and I don't. Th- we're now in a kind of position. We're in a weird comp- position, just like Tottenham Hotspur, where our main striker is so good that whoever comes to the club is going to have to sort of. <laughs> settle or remind themselves or tell themselves that, look, I'm going to struggle to break into this team or it might be a while until I break into this team. And, I, and, and that's why you've kind of got to go for that younger, high potential player that maybe not a lot of clubs know about. I, I think Martinez should work his magic and uh, Messi's a free agent now, isn't he? So, you know, <laughs> he is a free <laughs> just agent. to come and play with Super Jack. <laughs> yeah, offlay, offlay the, the money that you would have spent on the transfer fee. Into his wages. <laughs> Do we want to get a, a Portuguese player in there too, and we can sign Ronaldo while we're at it? Just get a just get an agent in every camp we can, secure the top talent. Um, yeah, I don't know. 
it's just it's <laughs> mental the fact that again like i said before the organization everything that's going on with this football club is fantastic right now it's brilliant to see um like i said before let's get to probably in my mind the least likely or you know what would this be oh typical villa to do this signing um spurs midfielder harry winks is being linked um to villa um interestingly enough um but of course a lot of these links were before they appointed Nuno as their manager, which again, seems very odd, but anyways, um, seems a little bit of a panic one given kind of the situation and the timing, but you never know with these, especially when there wasn't a manager. Now there is, is he in their plans? Is he not? Um, I think like I was talking to you guys before recording, I think he only made um, not even two handfuls worth of starts. And uh, I think almost even less substitutions and had, I think, one goal and one assist in the Europa League in, um, I think, like eight appearances or something like that. But, of course, he's been out of favor and in favor and all over the place over the last few years, kind of dubbed one of the next big midfielders, it feels like, eons ago, and now just kind of seems like one of those English midfielders that'll go from, you know, what Spurs to, say, Burnley, um, or something like that and just kind of sit there and stay at the bottom of the Premier League and fight his way there. So if you're kind of getting what I'm going at, he sounds very Ashley Westwood-esque. But Danny, I'll come to you first about this. What do you think about this one? Because for me, I, f- I feel like it's just the most random of random. It doesn't excite me and I can't see it just because um, I don't see what he does that Sanson doesn't do or that uh, Ramsey doesn't do. That's why I can't quite see it. Um just look if Harry Winks, look, you're looking at it, you're looking at an England midfielder who's clearly a very good passer of the ball, you know, clearly has linked up well with Harry Kane in the past. Um, but for me, you know, you, you never really notice him. And, and I just think to, to break into that villa midfield, to want to be making that, I won't even say lateral move. I think at the moment, you'd probably still look at Spurs to Villa as a slight step down at the moment. Um, you know, especially if you're not going to be, ma- especially if you're not going to be starting. I think what's happened here is you've probably looked at Smithrow, looked at Ward Prowse, and thought, who's the next sort of England midfielder who you can kind of think of? And it's kind of a lazy link. But look, ourselves, we know who Villa have on their books. Ramsey's as good at a passer as, as Winks. Sanson probably is as well. And if, if Winks did more defensive work, then I'd look at that and kind of think, okay, good. If he, if he worked a little bit, um, if he, if, he, if he worked, you know, much harder than like John McGinn or something, then I think, okay, fair enough. But I just, I just don't see it with Winks. Um, that's, yeah, I, I can't, I can't see us overspending for, for someone who's not even going to start. Yeah. It just, for me, it seems like I said before, really odd out of the blue. Um, I feel like someone made this up on a Sunday afternoon thinking, you know what, this will be a good fake story for Monday. But Simon, what do you think about it? Yeah, well, I think you just got it there. That is, you know, someone's just made it up because people need to write stories. Um, I mean, Winks is a player that a few years ago, I I, I quite liked the look of him and he's just never really kicked on. I I remember there was a game a few years ago, uh, Tottenham were away at Real Madrid in the Champions League and he was absolutely sensational. Like, he was brilliant that night. And I kind of, I remember looking at him thinking, God, he looks like a decent little player, to be fair, quite tidy. But as I say, the last sort of couple of years, he just hasn't really played, hasn't kicked on. I I don't see this happening at all because he's he's no he's no better than anyone we've already got. And 
I think we're at the stage now where if we're going to be signing players, it's it's to sign players who are better than the people in that first team already to, to try and make the whole squad better. Is he better than John McGinn, Ramsey, Zanson, <laughs> Louise? No. So, yeah, I, I just don't see that one at all. Yeah, I feel like it's also like one of those ones where, I mean, it almost seems a little Dean Smith-esque in terms of you get like a Ross Barkley or Danny Drinkwater, which is almost like a project. And you think, you know what, you can get the best out of them again. Let's not do that again. I don't want to experience any other projects with that. I just, you know, let's get players that don't have to be projects of the rebuilding kind of nature. Might be like a Delhi Alley or something. You never know. Like, you know, that would be like a risk worth taking. I don't know if we've been linked to it. (laughs) I'd be, I'd be more inclined for that. That would definitely be a risk worth taking, I think. A, a low move. Right? I mean, as you say, there's no link or anything, but that a low move for Andy, I think, would be something that, that's a risk to take. Yeah, I mean, again, it's just mental that we're even talking about nicking players off Spurs and Arsenal and things like this. It's just very, very weird. But anyways, guys, we're going to take a very quick break and then we'll be back with the rest of the podcast. And welcome back to the second half of this edition of the Holtzcast. We're just going to kind of touch on the latest leaked home kit for Villa. Of course, it came out only a matter of, I think, three days ago, apparently. So I'm assuming this is the kit, but you never know with these. I feel like every other day there's a new concept kit, but this seems to be legit based on who's sharing it and all that kind of stuff. If I'm going to briefly kind of explain it, it seems like the blue on the arms and the shoulders seem to kind of be a little bit higher than usual, kind of divots into kind of like the chest i'm gonna butcher this explanation but anyways bear with me guys um there's kind of dark claret stripes down the middle with lighter obviously claret in the background um to be honest i don't think it's terrible i'm kind of liking it a little bit more but once again it's kappa i'm not the biggest kappa fan i don't like how they fit and all that kind of stuff but danny um i'll come to you um what do you think of this kit are you a fan i don't mind it I'm just not blown away by it. I just I'd like it's not um it's not a kit I'm going to rush to get just because I don't know. I I I I'm a, I'm a man of the larger variety. Um but you know the thing is I'm not I'm not I'm not like, you know, badly badly overweight, right? But at the same time that Kappa kit will make you look like that. Like you can't you can't put one of them on in your size and not, you know, cry yourself to sleep like over over the way it looks on you. You have to go like two sizes above it to like even feel comfortable. And that's that's the thing. That's what it's been like for the last two years. At the end of the day, the kits the Kappa make, they're made for the footballers. They're not made for the fans. And, um, you know, that's the issue. They're not even fashionable. They're not even... The, the, that's, my, that's been my problem with the Villa kits over the last couple of years. I don't think you could have put them on over jeans or, you know, however you however you tend to dress and thought, you know, yeah, this is a, this is a sick look. This is, you know, they, they, they're literally just sports kits like okay sports kits what what i will say is with this one i do like the arms better than i did last season i quite like the kind of like blocky arms um and i quite like the uh the pinstripes down the middle i've always been a fan of those see a little bit of darker claret adds a little bit more depth but i realize just describing a kit right now you need to you need to find the leaks on twitter and then even then right at the end of the day it's a leak so who knows if it if it truly is the kit the villa are going to release but going I mean, off the last couple of years, how different could it be? Yeah, I mean, like, all I can say is hopefully the away kit, and you would assume there's going to be a third kit, um, are a little bit better. I feel like our away kits or our third kits have been a lot better 
um, kind of gone down a lot better maybe than the recent home kits, at least in my eyes. But uh, Simon, how do you feel about it? I mean, I'm sure you have a many um, Villa shirts in your um, long, long existence on this earth. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's all right. And that's, I think, the kindest thing you can say. Like, I think the when when it was late so the other day, there was a, I thought the negative reaction was was a little over the top um but i think you know as we, we were saying just before uh, we started recording that it's not a luke roper kit and i think that was just such a nice kit that you you're going to really struggle to to get anything anywhere near that um so yeah it, it, it's all right i think we've had much better kits over the years but I, I think we've had quite a few worse ones as well so yeah it's okay i mean if we go back to like i don't know what's a really bad kit like what would you say is probably the worst kit in the last 10 years I can probably think of a few, and probably that's the Lambert era. If anything, we've had a few. Yeah, the, when we had um, was it Daffabet with a sponsor uh, yes. and the poor Lambert. Yeah, I, I can't remember who, who made those kits actually now, but I, I, I remember it might be Macron. Macron, it might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's Macron. Yeah, I, I didn't think they were up too much. Wasn't yeah. a fan of them. And to be fair, the weird after season back uh, in the Premiership, um, I, I hated that home kit. I thought that was awful. You know the Macron one though. I like. I remember them feeling like good quality, though. Like I've got one right now, and and they actually do feel like yeah, they just they just feel nice. Like I feel like you the kits itself it were here. yeah, the material like the quality was decent. I just didn't think that. I didn't think they looked particularly nice. That's fair. Yeah, yeah, that lime green one was not my uh, favorite at oh, all. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I like the um, I like the one where it was kind of like blue all the way along the side. I loved that one. Um, and the sort of like you had the V neck with the with the two blue stripes. That one. Yeah, was nice. that was not that the was one with the random one. blue stripes. Yeah, not the one with yeah. the random blue blue pinstripes. No. Yeah, I I know the one you mean. Yeah, no, that 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 was a nice one. But um, yeah, no, that that lime green one. Gotcha. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, I would <laughs> honestly remember. Sorry, go on, Danny. Sorry. No, you go ahead, Cole. You go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say that I was a big fan, and maybe some people aren't, of just the white one with the claret pinstripes. I I really like oh, that Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that's thought, lovely, yeah. Yeah, cause especially with when you had, like, claret shorts, too. I thought that looked really sharp. But, Danny, what were you going to say? I was going to say, I really like the, um, the, the, the one with the white and purple blocks. Like, again, it's very, very different. <laughs> but I quite liked it. But you know what? I've just searched, I've just searched for that Macron kit. I really want that that pink goalkeeping kit now. The one with the long arms. <laughs> Do you want Guzan on the wicked. back too? Yeah, with Guzan on the back would be great. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I really want to. I really want to get a hold of that. Yeah, uh-huh. it reminds me of strawberry milkshake. Reminds me of a jester <laughs> from like like from like I don't medieval times or something. Like that's honestly what it reminds me of. And that and I think of beating Arsenal on the opening day when I think of that kit. But uh, that's about the only oh, good yeah. memory that I can think of because uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of that kit, but. Guys, let's let's discuss Euros. I'll jump in this one because uh, there's only three of us this time, and I'm, I'm sure you'll you'll need some help with all your excitement. Of course, in one semifinal now we have Italy versus Spain, and the other, of course, you have England versus Denmark. Um, I do have to say, what a run by Denmark, and just with the whole story and all the things with Christian Eriksen as well. It's just it's one hell of a kind of a storybook potential ending and ultimate glory. I mean, you never know these days, but. Danny, what are you thinking about this? Who who do you not want to face? Who do you want to face? And how do you feel about Denmark? See, like, 
if England don't win the Euros, I hope I hope it's Denmark. Just I mean, you know what? Actually, right now, think about it. I like Denmark and I like Italy. Spain bore me a little bit, but you know, I'm sure that's what anybody watching England thinks as well as in neutral. Um, yeah, look, Denmark, great story. I think for me, there is there is side there is side with you know obvious weaknesses and obvious kind of like um, positives. Uh, I think for me in that last game. It was kind of like the first real sign of weakness from them. Um, they didn't seem totally comfortable with that lead second half. It looked like they might have let the Czech Republic back into the game. England, for me, though, just just aren't conceding goals, and that's you know that's 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 it. You know, you start doing that, and um, and, and you're off to a good start. Italy again, a very a very good team defensively. Spain as well. It's that's what it is. It's defense wins your tournaments at the end of the day, and that's why I think England probably will end up beating Denmark. Um, it's a shame we haven't seen much of Jack Grealish. We saw a bit of Tyrone Mings at the start of the tournament, uh, but I guess former Villa defender Gareth Southgate, you know, he might actually might actually win something, having uh, left us to win something uh, twenty years ago. Simon, isn't that mental? I mean, of course, I'm not from England. Of course, if, if it's not more obvious because of my accent, but <laughs> like for me, being someone that kind of looks at it from abroad, from thousands of kilometers away. I'm used to seeing England kind of come up short or nowhere close. And it's just kind of like a, a fire kind of sail at the end of it with, you know, let's blame everyone possible. But how do you feel right now about all this? And do you think England's going to bring it home? I guess, as everyone says, um, I th- I'd expect us to get to the final. Now I, I do think Denmark will be uh, a tough game, but I would expect us to get through. Like they've, they've done well, but they've, They've had a, a fairly comfortable um, knockout stage. You know, they've played Wales and Czech Republic, and you know that they're they're not particularly good teams. Wales, especially. The I know some people, you know, love to talk about the uh, the character that they all have and how great it is. But as a team, like they they've got a Luton Town player in their midfield, so like you know, it's not like Denmark have had to beat particularly good great teams to get to this stage. Um, and, and they, as I said, I think they'll probably provide us uh, with a tough test, but I'd expect us to get through. To get to the final, though, I, I really hope it's Spain because I'd fancy us to beat them. I think Italy, that that'll be that'll be tough to to get past them just because they're so well drilled defensively. But but then so have we been this tournament. You know, it's it's not always been the prettiest to watch, um, but it's been effective. And you know, Grealish, obviously, I. I would love to see him play because I, I do think he's one of England's best players. But, you know, you can't really fault how Southgate's done it so far. You know, that Germany game, he, he picked the right team to start off with and then he, he brought Grealish in as the game opened up to be that game changer. And that's exactly what he did. Last night, there was no need to bring him on the game. For me, the game was done after four minutes when we went one nil up. I, I never thought we were going to lose that game then. And then obviously getting the second goal so early in that second half, then you know that that was Southgate's opportunity then to take the players and bookings off, give people like um, Benningham, Calvert Lewin, and Jordan Henderson, people who haven't had that many minutes yet this tournament, give them more minutes. So there was no need to play Jack last night, and I'd expect he'll play a part on Wednesday night in the semi-final. Yeah, I mean, you know what? Don't don't play him anymore. Keep him nice and rested for the season. The rumors can just keep going downhill. <laughs> he can just fade into the back set. We don't have to worry about it. But no. Like, of course, you want to see him do well. But yeah, I mean, when I look at it, I'm probably seeing an England-Italy final. Um, I think maybe probably for 
um, competition's sake, maybe that's probably the most appealing. Um, if that happens, and Danny, I'll get to you in a second. If that happens, I'm fully expecting probably, unfortunately, and English fans won't appreciate this, I, I just feel like Italy will win and you'll see Mancini celebrating at Wembley again in his Armani suit that's skin tight showing off his rockboard abs because at age 50 odd he's still in crazy shape but uh you know what those italians they do dress well me and simon had this chat like probably over 45 minutes ago now but uh bringing it back as always but danny i'll i'll rope you into this uh what would you like to say look i mean italy man i i, I really really liked italy i really did um at this point uh one big thing stops me from seeing them as favorites now and it almost seems inconsequential to claim that the loss of a fullback would throw you away from being the favourites. But now, Spinozola's out for the tournament. And Spinozola, for me, has probably been Italy's best and most consistent player. Best and most consistent, absolutely. He's been getting assists. Um, he's been doing well in terms of defensively. I think, I think. please correct me if I'm wrong, I think it is going to be Emerson Palmieri coming in. I'm not sure. Um I'll have to double check. Um, but but n- now that, that left-hand side is no longer going to be a massive threat. It means that Insigne is going to struggle a little bit uh, to get the support that he needs. Um, and I actually think that England's biggest weakness is down the right-hand side. Kyle Walker, as much as he has been, you know, okay, um, I think he's the big weakness for England. And I, and I do think that um, Italy would have been targeting that in the final. We don't know if it's going to be an England-Italy final yet, but like as I say... Um, I just think that that left-hand side for Italy has been so good, so key to their success that at this point, I'm just not sure. I think Spain might well be able to exploit it. However, if you're telling me that you're going to go up against that Italian defence, Chiellini, Benucci, with Alvaro Morata as your main striker, I don't know what to say to you. Um, and that's that's the big issue for, for me when it comes to that match. So see, I think we will see England Italy in the final. Yeah, but see... But like I, think the- then, I think England then win. This is the weird thing about Spain, though, and it's because, like, of course, they're kind of labeled as, like, the most boring side, but, like, I th- I think it's almost kind of, and, like, I've said it, too, but it's almost kind of unjustified. I was talking to a friend about this yesterday, and, like, you're looking at their side, and they don't have your Shavis or Iniestas anymore. You don't have your Sergio Ramos at the back. They don't have um david via up there and attacked like they've more than recently lost most of these players and i apologize for the wincing in the back someone's putting new siding on their house they're not killing each other i promise um but uh it's i i don't know i I think a lot of people look at that and you look at how defensive they are and then you look at the team still in this tournament of course like i said denmark's just kind of one of those anomalies england haven't conceded a goal they're very defensive we look at spain um extremely defensive aside from i think there's they got whacked one game i think heavily in the tournament if i'm thinking correctly and then again italy they just don't concede much and they score one or two goals and that's really all they need so simon i'll come to you and i I know gareth southgate comes out of kind of with a lot of criticism but if he gets to the final not even to say he wins it but getting to the final is is he already proving people wrong um i i think even just by getting to where we have at the moment he kind of has a, I think the problem is with this, with the England squad at the moment, especially going forward, there's so many options. Like you, whatever team he picks, people will think, oh, I'd have had so, you know, I'd have had Grealish in for him or I'd have had Foden starting or Saka started this. Whatever team he picks, he's not, he's not going to please everybody with it. So he's kind of in a, in a lose-lose in that sense. But I mean, we haven't conceded a goal and we've got to back-to-back semi-finals now in major tournaments. So I 
you know, for for however, you know, it might not be the most scintillating football, but as long as he's getting the results, I don't care. <laughs> I just, you, you can't argue with with what he's done in this tournament so far. So, yeah, you know, if he, uh, certainly if he gets to the final and wins it as well, then, then I, I think he, he can't have any criticism thrown his way. Do you not just feel like, though, where's the competition, man? Like, as, as, as great, as, as good as England have been during this tournament, I just kind of wish, like, we might have been just tested a little bit more. Like, I, every, 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 Every game that we've gone into, I've walked out thinking, "Yeah, but we should have won that." Yeah, <laughs> so I'm not. I'm not complaining because that's you can only you can only beat what's in front of you, right? But Germany have been poor, right? They've they haven't been able to kind of um, you know put a team together really. You know, in the last couple of years, they haven't been able to put something together that actually works. To be fair to Southgate, you know, he's got a system as boring as it as it is. He's got a system. Um, I've 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 heard the I've heard the arguments about Grealish being an impact sub and everything, but at the end of the day, all that means is that whenever he's on the pitch, England are more creative. So I mean you could apply that to him starting or whatever. He does have his favorites, he does have players that he likes playing, and you do kind of wonder whether you go with something else. But um, as you say, the job's being done at the moment. You can't complain. But let me just put something to you about this Euros. I never want to see this format again. I never oh, want to see... rubbish. It's like, you know, multiple city format again. Every single team that is in the semi-finals, I believe, has hosted a number of home games. Yeah, they had all their group games at home. Yeah. Like, I, I'm just, I, I'm I'm just here you. thinking, like, come on, man. What's I, How is that fair? It, it was... I mean, it was it's stupid, obviously, with the sort of current COVID pandemic, but it was just a stupid idea beforehand. Like, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. A major tournament, you want it in one country. Like, it's, it's, it just makes it... It's easier for the fans as well, <laughs> if it's all in one country. But obviously, you know, we know UEFA don't, don't give a shit about the fans, to be fair. So that shouldn't be a surprise. But no, I'm with you. It's, it's an awful, awful idea. And I hope to God we never have to see it again. <laughs> Wasn't Italy's... Just... Sorry, go oh, on, oh, No, no, you call. Oh, I was just going to say, it wasn't Italy's quarterfinal game in England, but England's quarterfinal game was in Italy. Yeah. Like, why, <laughs> why, like, I don't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, you're just, know, it's just, it's just not fair, is it? It's just not fair on anybody. No, um, it's, it's not even COVID. It's just like, Christ, you're just trying to kill the earth or something. Like, why do you, why do you need to pollute more? I don't want to get into eco stuff, but like, you know what I mean? It's just like pointless things. Yeah. Like, you know what? And like, especially with COVID and all this stuff. And of course, a lot of countries are coming out of it or going back into it with variants and all this kind of stuff. And I don't want to talk too much about that, but like why you wouldn't put it, say, all in the UK or whatever country and just have bubble set up throughout only letting certain fans in like, I don't understand how you're making more money in this format. If anything, it's costing you more. Like, anyways, that's a financial thing. But, like, I don't know. And the other thing, too, I wanted to mention was, of course, they expanded the format and all that kind of stuff with teams, with the third place and all this kind of stuff, too. And I I don't know. Do you guys feel like the quality's been down? Because I think this has been the tournament with the most own goals all together in one tournament, more than, like, any other tournament combined. Like, all of them. Like... We're like in this situation where I don't think um, any of the top teams in the world are in their prime. I think England maybe are just coming into it. I think we've got a bit of a golden generation. Um, Italy maybe, but even still, I'm not sure um, if, if if any of those players really have, not many of them. I don't think many of them have established themselves as like elite sort of 100 million, 120 million pound, you know, transfers. But maybe that's because, you know, a lot, a lot of us watch Serie A. Um, they've got Chiellini and Bonucci on the way out. Like rather than rather than players coming on the way in, and I think maybe that's the only thing. I think maybe 
I think the, I think the World Cup next year is going to be a lot better. I will say that. Mm. I just don't think it seems like many teams have got their like heads together, and it might be because of COVID and disruption over the last couple of years. I I don't like the uh, the expansion to twenty four teams. I thought the Euros really? had it perfect. Yeah, I thought it was perfect at sixteen. Uh, and then right. the top two in each group go through to the quarterfinal because now you just basically you just, if you win your opening group game you, you're going through to the, to the last 16 I think it I think it dilutes the quality of the um of, of the group games and I know that this alludes to the idea that because it gave the chance to um you know some of the teams in Europe who don't necessarily would qualify for it, it gives them the chance to go to the major tournaments the Byron Wales getting to the semi-finals in the last one have any of those lower ranked teams actually done anything there like they've all pretty much bombed out straight away anyway so you, you invite you're saying oh we'll give you a chance to qualify for tournaments and then like North Macedonia you come along you just lose every game go on Pandev <laughs> no man it's what? cool though it's, it's, it's cool though I think I think it's nice like basically what, what happens then is the majority of the Euros the majority of the stories and teams and everything are only involved in qualifying whereas really everybody's eyes are only really on these sides you know, during the during mm. the major tournament, because you know when it comes to qualifying games, you're only in, like most of you end up just watching England. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So I guess it's good to good to have them involved. I mean, Denmark would they have qualified for a 16? I'm not sure. You know? Possibly not. I, I I think it's the idea of it's the third like four third place teams going through like that for me is yeah. stupid if, you, if you're going to expand it, I'd rather they like expanding it to 32 teams like how the World Cup is at the moment and then it's still the top two in each group go through. That, that's what I'd rather like because this third place, four third place, four best place, third place teams going through is just stupid. And it just takes a lot of jeopardy out of those last games. Yeah, I guess the only thing though, maybe like the only I'd like kind of thing that I think of that makes it a little bit better is like usually when you get to like the very last game for each team, you kind of know where you stand for the most part for most groups, especially when it's like we'll say like there's like Germany, France and Portugal in one group. I mean, that's kind of anomaly. You know, there's going to be kind of a big reckoning there if only two teams are going to go through. But like maybe it gives a little bit more excitement when you have like, say, your Denmark's Finland um, and whoever else kind of fighting on the last day so maybe it kind of writes that story and i understand that but like i don't know this whole thing like of this tournament the one thing i've enjoyed is just seeing pandev still knowing that he still has it a little bit before he kind of gets (laughs) under the sunset um i don't know that was just a cool story you're literally carrying a whole nation on your back that's went through a lot it's a very small nation and you know it's just cool to see but uh anyways guys we'll wrap it up there but the one thing i do want to ask these guys before we wrap it up actually daniel i'll start with you is it coming home Mm. yeah it's coming home I've never been more I've never been more confident about it like the last the last tournament the World Cup like we were good we were decent but um, I still don't think Southgate really knew his best team back then I think now we're in more of a position where like he does kind of the game management seems to be there now do you know what I mean like and that's I think I think the the idea seems to be that we we score in the first few minutes and then kind of like you know we're solid enough at the back that, that we can do it. I think now a lot of those players are very experienced. They've, they've been at that level for quite a while. Hopefully can hold their nerve. Defensively, we're that good that we're just so hard to beat. At the moment, there's not many teams out there who can beat England. Um, so I think because of that, because of maybe the lack of quality that's still left in the tournament and because of how well drilled we are defensively, um, I just can't see anything. I can't see anybody beating England right now. So I, I hate to jinx it, but that's that's it. That's my that is my 
that is my unbiased footballing opinion. Um, England are the best team left in the tournament. Fair, Simon. I'll I'll send it to you quickly because this buzzing noise in the background is driving me absolutely <laughs> mental. Is it coming home? And will you be uh, staying up all night if you win? Oh yeah, it's coming home. I mean, I had a few mates rounds watching the game last night, and one of <laughs> one of my friends. <laughs> Very confident, declared that England are never ever going to concede another goal <laughs> like ever again. So, um, yeah, like the point with Danny was making, we're just so defensive, we've been so good. The uh, the progress out the team, we're a much better team that from the 2018 World Cup. Um, you know that does midfield with like Eric Dyer, Jesse Lingard, and Danny Ali were playing in there. Like none of them even the squad this time. Um, I think Southgate even said uh, in an interview after the game yesterday that they, they've learned lessons from that tournament in that they've been able to rotate the team around and make substitutions rather than just running the same 11 into the ground in each game. Um, Denmark, we've got far too much for them. And yeah, if, if you get to that final at Wembley, 60-odd thousand England fans there, it's coming home. Look, I, I, can I just say about Denmark though, yeah, before you start writing them off, I want I do want to see our defense actually try and deal with with three forwards playing that closely together. That's going to be crazy. That's going to be a different. I do not write write off what Denmark are doing right now with Damsgaard, Dolberg, and and Braithwaite. I, I I mean I said to one of the lads last night. I think they'll give us our toughest game. Yeah, the tournament. I think they'll give us a, a tougher test than, than Germany did. But I I would still say man for man, we have got a better team than they have. So yeah, it's all good. It's coming home. Don't worry. So now it's going to be one nil Denmark. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this tournament more than any tournament like I, I know we've got our Villa boys Mings and Grealish in there this tournament more than any tournament right I do not mind if Denmark end up winning it because that's a bloody story right there okay like the whole Christian Eriksen thing the, the, the way that, that they've been playing, the exciting way that Denmark have been playing, if they end up beating England and winning the tournament, you won't find me crying. That's all I'm going to say. Fair, fair enough. Anyways, I just want the tournament to be done so Villa can come back sooner, to be honest, because I really have no uh, horse in this race. But anyways... We'll wrap it up there, guys. Uh, we went on for more than long enough, I'm sure. So uh, thank you both. No to mention Friday. for Martinez. I mean, if you no, want no, to, Cole, just you, you're about to sign off this this podcast, right? Well, well, star guy. Emmy Martinez has just done three clean sheets in a row in the Copa America. Come on, man. I didn't have it on my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's coming. It's coming home. It's coming home to Argentina too. Okay. Well, I think we can all agree it's coming home to Bodymore. So we can we can say that. <laughs> uh, but anyways, guys, like I said before, thanks to Simon and Danny for joining me. If you want to find Simon on Twitter, it's at Cy O'Regan. Follow Danny on Twitter at Raza Journal. You can find me as well at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 to Holt. Of course, you can email the podcast Holtcast at gmail.com as well. Uh, I don't know if I'll have another episode out next week. If not, it'll be out in a couple weeks anyways. But without further ado, don't forget, up the villa. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 